0: It's okay. I apologize. That's really okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's really okay I that I ruined you, it. I you, I'm not gonna hate you. <laughs> Ms. McMichael, you're fired. This is, this is my podcast now. People, Bye. Oh my goodness. No severance. It's a coup. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Can I take my Mountain Dew with me? A Mountain Dew coup? <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we're here to drain your vital essence. Oh my god! I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. <laughs> <laughs> and this week we're covering the 1982 gym- labyrinth. Oh my fucking god! You ruined my joke. <laughs> You did. I, w- I was going to start this conversation by going, and for the last time, no, this is not the movie with David Bowie in it. <laughs> Get out of my head, brother. If you're going to watch the movie and you're sitting through it wondering, when's David Bowie going to show up? He's not. Just. Uh, but yes, the 1982 Jim Henson classic, The Dark Crystal. And many of you probably already know that at the end of August, we're going to be getting a prequel series on Netflix. This is me clapping. I'm very excited. Ross came to work very prepared today. He's wearing his Dark Crystal Mm -hmm, mm t-shirt. I see the Gelflings. I see Agra. Mm -hmm. I see the Mystics. I had to. I had to. It's a special occasion. It's one of of those movies from childhood. It's very near and dear to my heart. I'm wearing a Lana Del Rey t-shirt with bleach stains on it. There's so much energy in this closet right now. Yeah. Our mother Lana Mm -hmm. and the power of the Dark Crystal. It begins as a quest. You must find the Shard. The crystal shard. The crystal shard? To save our world, you please. A wonderful fantasy adventure. Journey into a mystical realm of sights and sounds. Enter the world of the Dark Crystal. Okay, I'm going to be deferring a lot to you today mm-hmm. because you are the resident scholar. And I did choose this. You, you I did, did choose, choose. this uh-huh. and you are going to have the most information at your fingertips. Absolutely. Absolutely. My show? Mhm. My show? Yeah, My show? you're Yeah. Okay. All right. All you're right. going to you're going to run this, puppy. Let's try this out. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous. Just remember, we're trying to stay focused on the material that is directly related to the events of the movie. Okay, so let's see. Jim Henson. We mm-hmm. all know Jim Henson, hopefully from childhood. This was marketed to children. It has Jim Henson's name on it, but it is not The Muppets. It really isn't. It is not your everyday, but it is dark. This is a very dark piece. It's his first, you know, dive into fantasy. And in order to make this project what it was, Henson had a lot of help. And chief among that help is Brian Froud, who is Uncle Brian. Yeah, Uncle Brian. We love you. Please never die. Uncle Brian... He's working on the new project as well. Is he really? Yeah. I guess I didn't realize. Okay, yay. Of course. Well, that's... Well, hey, they've got everything they need. Brian Froud is a British conceptual artist, and Dark Crystal is probably the one part of his work that he's most known for. His most notable work. Absolutely. Brian Froud basically created the world in the Dark Crystal. Like they, visually. They yes, they went through months and months of planning, uh, you know, brainstorming, pre writing exactly how, you know, everything is gonna look, how the world looks, how, you know, the creatures of this world look. And it was a very long process. I'm pretty sure the the process of pre production for Dark Crystal started in maybe like 1977 so they worked for about a half a decade this movie made about 41 million dollars mm-hmm. tell me what it costs to make it 25 million <laughs> D- don't ask frank oz he'll get pissed off if you ask him about it you know uh, they... th- there were t- there were two people on the press <laughs> press circuit two kinds of people there were jim henson's who were like you know, this is not the Muppets. Don't come see this if you think it's the Muppets. Stay out of my mentions. It's not the Muppets. <laughs> like, you know, bring your kids to this thinking you're going to see Miss Piggy. And then there were Frank Oz's. Frank Oz saying, I'm so tired of talking about how much money it takes to make movies. Uh, you don't make movies for the money. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but well, that doesn't mean you're eager to discuss exactly what you spent and what you've got back.
1: <laughs> of... So um, yeah,
0: Henson just uses prouds artistic genius to, you know, bring this world to life. And it is honestly one of the more, I mean, when I say successful, I mean culturally successful, maybe not financially successful. Oh, I think this is, this movie has the definition of a cult following. Absolutely. Everything about how this movie looks and sounds feels so real to me. And I'll have plenty of examples later, but it's one of the greatest examples of comprehensive world-building. Like I'm probably going to use this word over and over again, but Tolkienian. <laughs> like Absolutely. They we're we're cheated out of some of that because of the final product of the film, but Jim Henson went as far as the Skeksis were going to have their own language. Yeah. And we've heard clips of it mm-hmm. in like behind the scenes material. Absolutely. I'm really glad they stuck with English. I know, right? And you know, guys, it's maybe a little hard to find on YouTube or even just if you're Googling it. Literally, all you have to do is YouTube the Dark Crystal behind the scenes. It'll be like the second result. Yeah, and it's making of the Dark Crystal. If it looks like it's from the 80s, that's it. Click on it. That's a great, that's a, we'll put the link. Can we put the link? (laughs) Yes, we can drop the link. Yes, watch them. It'll, It'll be great. Because uh, if you just want to, uh, I mean, because I know this is a podcast, but if you just want a visual uh, representation of how, just how distinct and detailed every single part of this production design is, it's, I'm going to cry. Like, it's oh, oh over... it's overwhelming, like, the, no, the, the amount of effort that's it, put in. It truly is. And I'm going to say at the top that I'm bothered that this is not a visual medium. I mean, I think close to 3,000 people worked on Dark Crystal, mm-hmm. like that's insanity Mm -hmm. that many different artists engineers yeah i think that's definitely bigger than the production crew for titanic yeah yeah like one of the top grossing movies of all time this is that's insane all right let's jump in let's jump into it stan tamar let's go I love that theme, love <laughs> Oh, the theme just it. It just takes me right back. You know, I absolutely love it. So we have a narrator. The narrator is a little, you know, he's a little Vincent Price light. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love that right up front. We're getting the, the main bulk of the story out of the way. I know like this is a great exposition dump, but I love films like that. It's just it's brief and it kind of allows you to focus on other details throughout the rest of the movie because the story is very simple. A thousand years ago, this land was green and good, until the crystal cracked, for a single piece was lost, a shard of the crystal. Then strife began, and two new races appeared, the cruel Skeksis, the gentle mystics. So, we're, you know, the planet of Thra has become very desolate ever since the crystal, which is the guiding force which gives life to the planet, uh, has been cracked. And we have this race called the Erskiks. They're these mystical beings who are tethered to the crystal in their power. I wrote ghost asparagus. (laughs) They do kind of look like ghost asparagus in the end, don't they? Yeah. But we'll get to that. When the crystal cracks... The urskeks split
1: into YouTube. two
0: factions, two different types of creatures: the Skeksis, and help me with the the real name. They're they're divided into the Skeksis and the Uru. I love how you rolled your R. It's it's two Rs. It's U R, capital R U. F U C K I N G N E R D. You fucking nerd. For the sake of your tongue. We just call the Uru the mystics. My good gracious. The mystics are these gentle, Iguanodon-looking motherfucking Iguanodon! wizards. Iguanodon! They're wizards, basically. They're, they're, they're sorcerers, but they live in benevolence and they live in peace out in the verdant part of the planet where it's all green and lush. Because they've treated the planet with respect and not squandered the resources. And, and in the castle, the Skexis have control. The Skexis are wild to look at (laughs) the Skeksis are probably the most intricate puppets that are used in the film the amount of animatronic work that goes into their facial movements but guys this all just goes back to just how real everything looks at the beginning of the movie we're at something called the ceremony of the sun you know yes they are draining the light from the one of the three suns that Thra has into themselves so they can remain alive rather than give it to the planet. The Skeksis are literally stealing the life force away from the planet, which is why it is going desolate and barren. They're parasites. Yes, yeah. absolutely. they are. They are the ruiner of the ages. What does the narrator say? Something like... Today, once more, they will replenish themselves, cheat death again. Through the power of their source... Their treasure, their fate, the dark crystal. So yeah, that's basically all we need to know. Oh my god, that's why global warming's happening. Stop. Donald Trump is sucking all of the life out of the ozone. (laughs) As the credits start to roll... We're getting long shots on all of these creatures, and like you were saying, with the complexity of the animatronics, you see things like their jowls moving, or maybe you can see them breathing, or their eyebrows twitch, or something like that. It's it's surreal. It looks so real. It's the stuff of nightmares. Like. It's really a marvel of modern engineering. It really is. It's crazy. This is a live-action movie, but there are no humans on screen at any point. The the level of production... Okay, I'm sorry. I have to stop myself. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll turn into you. Since there used to be a lot of Urskex, you know, they split into two, mm-hmm. you have a lot of Skexies and Ur-Mystics. I'm sorry. I promise I'll call them the Mystics. And... But now... There are only 10 of each race. There's only 10 Mystics and 10 Skeksis. The Mystics are just trying to do their thing, put as much good into the world as they can, but it is not enough because the Skeksis have the crystal on their side. Each time a Skeksis dies, a Mystic has to die because they are of the same. Each one, each group has a leader. The Mystics have a master. The Skeksis have an emperor. Both leaders are dying at the beginning of the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And the mystics are doing an impromptu ceremony of the sun. They usually don't draw from the smallest sun, but they are because they just need a little extra power. Dad's dying. They've got a big road trip coming up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They need their strength. Absolutely. Who packed the trail mix? (laughs) It's trail. Howard, it was your turn to... No, Howard, don't give me attitude. (laughs) Where are my M&Ms? These are fucking raisins. (laughs) God damn you, Howard. Who is Howard? <laughs> Howard, the... <laughs> Howard the mystic. I don't know. Okay. And then we are introduced to Jen. Yes. Our protagonist, our hero. Jen is a gelfling. Yeah. Every fantasy story, even if there's no humans, there's always a faction that we're supposed to empathize with as human beings because there are heroes. Yes. We need stories where we can put ourselves in the shoes of the heroes. Mm-hmm. The narrator's like, oh, here's Jen. Jen's the one. Yeah. (laughs) Jen's the one that has to stop the evil. Yeah. Why? Because he's the only Gelfling left. And the prophecy says that Gelfling will be the one to heal the Dark Crystal. There's this really cool moment where the mystics summon Jen back to the Valley of the Stones. And this one low tone... He goes to visit his master because he knows whenever they make that noise, the master wants to see you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Jen to the principal's office. That's literally what it is. So I love all of the stunt doubles for the puppets where they have to be seen running on foot. Yeah. All those kids. (laughs) Like Gavin, when we were watching it, Gavin pointed out a scene where literally Jen, the puppet, dives into a bush and then we pan across and a human being runs out the other side (laughs) And he's like, that's good. That's a good cut. (laughs) So the master of the mystics tells Jen, I'm dying. No, yeah, Jen literally. (laughs) Jen busts in the door just to find that his master is struggling for his last breaths. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the master's like, I fucked up. I gotta (laughs) tell you something before I go. You have to save our world. Exactly. This is another one of my least favorite tropes (laughs) is when... This is not the time to hand your ward an impossible quest with little to no explanation where they can't ask follow-up questions. Master, Dumbledore, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, you need to give us more information. Oh, the prophecy says you must find the Shard. The Crystal Shard. The Crystal Shard? To save our world, Gilfling, you must find the shard. The master tells Jen that he has to follow the greater sun for a day to the home of Agra. That's the biggest sun. Yes. It's the largest sun in the sky. He has to follow that for a day to find a person named Agra who will help him with the secrets of his quest. The master says, you know, she's got the shard. Mm -hmm. She's got the missing shard. Of the dark crystal. I just love how his master is like, "I should have told you these things long ago," and I'm in, I'm over here screaming, "Yeah, you think?" So we cut to we cut back to the crystal castle. This is very much a narrative that flashes back and forth between what bullshit the Skeksis are doing and what bullshit Jen's getting up to. We have the general slinking into the hallway, and he's like, "Diabetes." And <laughs> oh my god! But he meets the chamberlain. In the hallway. And they do not like each other. They, they have history. I'm wondering if there was, you know, some sort of falling out there. Chamberlain hisses at him. Yeah. Um. And I... then that oh, the noise that just sends chills up my spine. Mm. I hate your whimper. Mm. It's so freaky. Oh, I just, uh, I, I resent it. Uh, the Chamberlain and the General are going to... Uh, where the emperor lives inside the castle. He's bedridden, the emperor. You're not kidding. <laughs> so they all gather around this decrepit scene. That is the only word I can use to describe it. This dying Skexus is the oldest and the weakest, but he's the scariest thing here. I know. He's also, yeah, he's like the smallest one of them just because he's so frail. And the general's like, you better recognize this is the emperor. Everyone bow down. But the emperor's just like... <gasps> And so, Chamberlain thinks because everybody's eyes are closed, he can just take the scepter. Yeah, the scepter's laying in the bed with the Emperor, so Chamberlain just kind of reaches for it. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) That's real cringe right there. That's when the Emperor sits right up and goes, "Mm." Mine. (laughs) Oh, it's terrifying. Big crackhead energy. Big crackhead energy. And he starts to gag and gasp for his life. Ugh, I'm looking away. I'm hiding under my bed. I'm calling the police. I'm terrified. 10-year-old me is traumatized. And then he just kind of flops back and all the skexies are like, um, his face just begins to break apart uh, and break down uh, and his whole body uh, just kind of crumbles in the bed. This motherfucker just disintegrates like dog shit that's been sitting in the sun for 2 days. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, How holy you... fuck. <laughs> How do you not see yourself in that? Exactly. They're probably all questioning their own mortality in that moment. It, we kind of fade back to the Master's cave after we see the Emperor disintegrate, and the Master just fades away. Twinkles. Ding, 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 ding. Like Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone to be with Yoda. <laughs> Frankly, I think they owed us that after what they just put us through. Right. Yeah. Like just... That peaceful exit as opposed to that incredibly traumatizing nonsense. Just again, Skexi dies, a mystic dies. The mystics in general are a very calming presence, like with the string instruments mm-hmm. and the sense of community and the lack of materialism What I strive for in my inner being. Yeah, no, they're hippie wizards. They're hippie dinosaur wizards. Hippie dinosaur wizards. That's what they are to me. They all literally have that '70s haircut. (laughs) Very motley crew. (laughs) They, 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 you know, one of them is literally wearing a headband. Oh, I see that, yes. A couple of them are wearing headbands, actually. And they're having a little, you know, ceremony for their master after he's just passed. What they're doing is they are sending his belongings to him in in the the afterlife. afterlife. That's beautiful. You can literally see his objects fading away as they're, like, praying over them. And they're also giving some of their energy to Jen to help him in his quest. Sending him off on a montage. Exactly. Of him moving through the landscapes of Thra. But this montage, though... I'm not ready to go alone. All right. Alone then. This, the long shots that they were able, these are, a lot of these are optical shots. Like, you know, many of the physical locations that you know are outdoors were filmed in England. Like they were. I fil- was going to ask you where this was filmed. Filmed in rural England. They're, Especially in the Midlands, where it's very rocky. Shots of, you know, Jen's stunt double walking along, but the way that they're able to create the optical illusion that he's walking, he's basically walking into a painting. Mm -hmm. And just the amount, how they're able to transition the actual physical film that's being filmed into the rest of the drawing that he's walking off into. There's a specific name for that technique, but I cannot think of it. it. It's it's breathtaking. The Emperor is dead, and now they have to pick a new one. And I just love how Chamberlain is kind of in this headspace where he thinks that just because the chair is empty, he can just go pick up the gear and become the Emperor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he's just going to violate due process. And that one Skexis, who I'm just going to call the one who looks like he should be in charge... The high priest. Oh, is that what his position he's, is? He's he's the he's the he's called the ritual master, mm-hmm. but he's he's kind of just the spiritual leader. He's kind of the pope of the Skeksis, you know. Like, there's just something about the way he's designed that like he looks like he should be in charge. <laughs> that one right there. He's kind of like Willy Wonka, <laughs> Chamberlain. No, wait, stop. You can. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the cadence and width that line comes out. It's like. Don't just stand there, do something. Help. Police. Murder. (laughs) Like He won't help Augustus Gloop. Exactly. And (laughs) I'm not waiting for any fucking election. Yeah, that's (laughs) what I was going (laughs) to say. Do they have an election? No. Do they have a debate? No. They get out a huge rock and hit it with swords. I tell it! Hmm? Trial by stone trial by stone and so yeah the chamberlain and the general decide to face off in trial by stone which is how they're gonna fucking decide who the emperor is they pull out their slaves to raise the stone from the floor and the podlings. we see the podlings for the first time. These aren't the happy go-lucky podlings no, either. These are the enslaved podlings. These are the ones who've had their brains drained and are literally having to slave away for the Skexies at all times. Imagine your childhood cabbage patch doll. Now imagine I hate you! They do look like cabbage patch kids. I'm about to make it worse. Now imagine if it fucked a potato. Oh, you're right. Yeah. That's what they look like. (laughs) They look like a Cabbage Patch Kid fucked a potato. And they're the product. Those are the podlings. (laughs) At least the enslaved ones, Mm -hmm. yes. The podlings pull this giant fucking stone out of the center of the floor, and the priest is like, bitches, on your mark, fight. Yeah. (laughs) And all they have to do is cut this stone in half. Yeah, first one to make a crushing blow is the strongest, I guess. Is this kind of like some sword in the stone shit? like? Yeah, Gavin pointed that out too, how there's a lot left unexplained about their democratic process. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever, their imperial decision-making process. Everyone seems to kind of be rooting for Chamberlain at first, but who the fuck knows why. Chamberlain lets the general have the first swing. Yeah. And nothing happens. Except a really cool ching noise. And the general's like, "Mm, mm, Did you see that? See what I just fucking did? And everybody's like, Yeah, it was cool. The swords look so real. I know. And it's hard to imagine that they would be because puppets have to hold them. Like, I don't understand how they're able to make these puppets wield these giant-ass swords. Like, it's... That's real puppeteering right it's there. Astounding. I, it's astounding. J- it's magic. Jim Henson is a genius. He's a wizard. A master of his craft. A literal sorcerer. Like May he rest in peach. May he rest in peach. I can't remember. He didn't pass away before I was born. I think he died in like July of 2001 or something like that. Because remember the cartoon of Mickey Mouse comforting Kermit? Oh, yeah, that's right. That did publish. Yeah, that's right. That's rough. I made myself sad. I know. We gotta quit doing that. Yeah. Anyway. The generals made a pretty successful hit, but again, nothing happened. And Chamberlain The Shriek. Just just play it for them. <laughs> Wax that thing makes Kind of a bigger blow than the general did the first time around. Cut back to the general. He's, like, wiping angry spittle from his mouth. He's like, I'm not letting this queen beat me. No. (laughs) (laughs) Girl, do not come for me. (laughs) The general roars. Oh, yeah. when he pulls back for the swing his wings tighten up ever so slightly and it's just another one of those details man that makes me think this is a living breathing thing and i'm hiding in my closet mom no turn on the light (laughs) i'm gonna have nightmares cuts that motherfucker in half with a sword. Again, I don't understand why this is the process by which we elect leadership. Who's going to be the manliest skixie? There's one that's literally Okay, they're all male, but there is a skexie that he's the he's the stylist of the group. Yeah. He's the Jonathan Van Ness of the skexies. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got this Elizabethan collar and these eyelashes. Like, he's the fishiest queen of the bunch. <laughs> I agree. You know I agree. The general wins the electoral vote <laughs> <laughs> by cutting the stone in half. Now that the general is won, the law says that the Chamberlain goes into exile. Yeah. And like I said before, you can see the ritual master is like, well, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked him. Yeah. Now I have to throw him out forever. Yeah. Because he challenged another one of us. On the list of things that I never needed to know in my lifetime, uh, what a Skeksis looks like naked is near the top of the list. Oh, you're right. Because in order to banish him, they have to literally strip him of his riches. They rip his robes off. It's kind of a scary sequence. Yeah, it's a little... The ritual master's just like... It made me tense up. He has to pay. Yeah. And then, yeah, all the Skeksis swarm the Chamberlain, strip him naked, and... Yeah, throw him out in the street. While the general takes the scepter and is like, I'm the fucking emperor now. Oh, no. Correction. He goes... Now bow down to me! I am Emperor! As they're all hailing the new emperor, Naked Chamberlain is, begins to limp away and he's like, well, damn, I don't know what I'm going to do now. He's a little huffy and puffy. And then you hear it. one. The crystal! The crystal call! I love how they claim to have so much power in this world, but they literally let this rock run their lives. Because they know it's so damn powerful. They know it's what controls the planet. And it's the key to their survival. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Who's running who here? The Ersgeks made it, and then they destroyed it, so they know, they at least know how to use it. The crystal is essentially snitching on Jen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the crystal bats have seen Jen making his way towards the castle and have alerted the Skexis that a surviving Gelfling might be trying to fulfill the prophecy. 2319. We have a 2319. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So let's talk about the crystal creatures. There are creatures on the planet that are born of the crystal, which means they have the capabilities... To reflect images back onto the crystal. So we have the crystal bats. They're the motherfuckers that are really making shit hard during this entire thing. They're equipped with Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. So the Skexis are getting images live. And there are a bunch of other wild creatures that can also reflect back to the crystal. Which creatures are called to deal with Jen? No! Oh, Kazim! Soldiers, find the devil! and the clicking <laughs> doesn't guys, that just send chills guys, up your spine if you don't like if you don't like arachnids or arthropods if you have like an irrational fear of them if anything if you're scared of anything that skitters don't watch this movie oh yeah some of the also most intricate puppets used. Like, they're basically operated by linebackers under a bunch of plates. <laughs> and the Gartham are these giant, beatle servants of the Skeksis, and they also can reflect back to the crystal. These costumes were so heavy and so delicately constructed that they couldn't be taken on and off during takes, so they literally had to string up the performers so that they could rest and not have to bear the weight of the costume between takes. Well, can you can you imagine that shit? No. These things were the shark of this production. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Mm. One of the behind-the-scenes t- legends in film is about how the shark during Jaws caused so many problems. Every five minutes over the telecom, it was like, the shark's not working again. <sighs> Are you fucking kidding me? So, yeah, the gar- you're right. You're mm. right. The Gartham are kind of the shark of the film, but just the, the noise, mm. the noise they make when they're skittering around. Oh, it's horrible. So the Gartham take off out the Crystal Castle to look for Jen, but who takes off after the Gartham? Chamberlain. <laughs> Chamberlain still lurking in the halls like, maybe the janitor won't see me if I'm going back here. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Jen at a desolate rock face. This is where I start to fall in love with Jen's inner monologue more because at first I wasn't sure if I liked it, Mm -hmm. and then as he's walking along, minding his own business, these bush things just suddenly get scared and roll out of sight. They look like those rubber light up. (laughs) That shit you get at Chuck E. Cheese with your tickets. (laughs) Yeah, and bounce it, bounce it it around. It's got all those tentacles. That's what those things. Stretch them. What in the world? This place is weird. We are all Jen. We are all Jen. The inner monologue is sometimes annoying, but it is important because in every fantasy world where there are no humans, like I said before, there has to be that group that we think of as the humans. And that's where I think that inner monologue is important because there's no way you didn't see those bushes roll away and go, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. You think it up here and it comes out Jen's mouth. Jen has never been outside of the Valley of Stones. And so Jen keeps walking along and he's trying to push his way through some vinage. Starts to get real little shop of horrors up in here. (laughs) Just trying to push his way through the vines. And wow, he gets snatched right the fuck up. They like string him up and capture him. Like imagine being in that situation. You have no idea what's going on. The foliage is being aggressive. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you see this disembodied eyeball at your eyeline. Held up by another hand. Are you Agra? Are you afraid of me? Think I'm going to eat you? Mm? What do you want of me? A shard. A crystal shard. Her species in the entire Dark Crystal canon is never specified. And Agra is believed to be the only one of her kind. She's literally the oldest living being on the planet. I don't know what's keeping that bitch alive. She looks decrepit as fuck. Spite. I mean, she's the first character we meet that actually seems to have some answers. Yeah. Like, she's not going to tell you about them if she doesn't feel like it, but she's glad to be listened to. Uh, Agra is your typical planet Thraw polymath. She is the Benjamin Franklin of Thraw. She does a little bit of everything. She's an astronomer, a philosopher. She invents shit. Yeah, Agra is a a, a renaissance man, shall we say. (laughs) Very much. We, We go, we're in darkness, and then the doors to her laboratory roll back, and we're given this huge influx of imagery, and the music swells. And you see all of the experiments and the orrery, which is a mechanical representation of the solar system. I had to look that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) this orrery whirring around. It's gigantic. It fills the entirety of her observatory. She's literally sculpted, pinpointed, put together this machine representing everything in Thras' star systems. I just love how he comes in. He's standing there staring at it mouth agape, and then Agra just busts in from off screen. What's it for? Hmm? Hmm? Is that what you want to know? Is that it, Gelfling? You don't know. <laughs> she's, she's treating him like he's nothing. <laughs> she's just aching to tell someone who actually wants to listen. She is. What is she tracking with the orrery, Ross? She's tracking the movement of the three suns, basically, because when the three suns align, there's a Great Conjunction. Now, ask what the Great Conjunction is. What's the Great Conjunction? What's the Great Conjunction? You tell me. The Great Conjunction is the end of the world! Or the beginning? Conjunction, Junction, what's it's your Destruction. <laughs> the Great Conjunction comes every thousand years. So... Agra's... I don't give a fuck energy is so strong. And it only gets worse the more questions he asks. Like, he keeps like, well, I have to do this impossible thing. I need answers. Agra, what do I do with the shard? Heal the dark crystal. But how?
1: Questions, questions. Too
0: many questions. You want a shard? Here. She dumps this box of just glass shards out at his feet. And he's like, well, which one's the one to the crystal? And she's like, you love this. When she goes to sit down, she grunts and sits the fuck down. And She's it's like it's listening to dad sit down. Yeah. It sounds like she's about. <sighs> she, You're right. She doesn't give a fuck. She's like the end of the world's coming. You can. She's like, Gelfling, you can try and sort this shit out. But I don't know here. And then begins Jen's arbitrary selection process yes he's just like well i don't know which one it is yeah how does he he narrows it down to three but i don't even know how he comes to that point he's just like it's one of these three i'm sure based on what jen show your work (laughs) that was always my problem Uh. in school (laughs) how does he finally decide how to determine which shard is the correct one he then starts to remember the chant that the mystics use to summon him Mm Hmm. And so, Jen takes out his pipe and plays that note. And as he's playing it, the crystal shard lights up. And Augur <laughs> sees that shit and goes, Yes! And it's too bad because she's finally going to give him some quality answers. But the Gartham have decided to crash the party. She's literally like, bet you don't know what to do with that, do you? Well, I know what you're supposed to do with it. And then the Gartham smash through her wall. And she's like, "Oh." <gasps> They're wrecking everything. They destroy the orrery. So beautiful. They wreck all of her shit. So beautiful. And Jen narrowly escapes through a window. Literally crashes himself through a window. Yeah, Jen jumps out and like rolls down the mountainside. Him looking back up and her entire observatory is on fire. I'd feel really bad right about now. And if, and yeah, and you're just like, oh no. This is where that cut happens where literally Jen ducks into a bush And then we pan to the left, and it's a human being (laughs) running out the other side of the bush. Good job, guys. They're very inconspicuous with that. Yeah. This is where we realize that Chamberlain has followed the Gartham all the way to where Jen is. And now Chamberlain's going to continue to follow Jen. You're just like, "Mm, lurking in the shadows. Mm -mm 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 -mm." Yeah, he's got an angle, but we don't really know what it is yet. (sighs) You just made a shiver go up my spine. We do a brief cut back to the Valley of the Stones. The mystics are like, "Okay, we got to go. Yeah. We've got to go and make sure we got to just pray that Jen is doing everything right. And we're just going to start going to the castle. And if we get there and he's not there, well, damn. Yeah, (laughs) damn. They're just like, fuck it. There's, ten, there's there's nine of us left. Like, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. They're hitting the road. And it begins a very nice process throughout the film of us checking in on the Mystics. As, They're moving so slow. Yeah, I know. They can't move very fast, so it takes them a long time Could to you get- you imagine if someone realized halfway there that they forgot their phone? I hate you. <laughs> we gotta go back. Howard? I don't this have- This is the trail mix all over again. I don't have my charger. Howard? <laughs> Er Howard, that's his name. Er Howard, <laughs> and because the mystics know the great conjunctions come, and they're just like, "Fuck it, I want to be there for it." I mean, <laughs> might as well be there for it, even if it's going to end badly. We cut back to what I call the forest of oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> nothing is at its nothing in the forest of oh hell no is as it seems because some animals. Look like plants, and some plants look like animals. Like you see, plants getting up out of the bog and walking away. Yeah, that plant, that tree, <laughs> that just decides it doesn't want to be in the creek anymore. It just gets up and walks away. Oh, I can't! It's amazing—just all of the different plants, all of the different little critters that are running around. That... It's world building at a whole nother level. Like Jen's sitting there contemplating what to do with this shard when he hears a rustling in the bushes. <laughs> don't like this. Again, we are all Jen. <laughs> he tracks this noise to a hidey hole that he insists on putting his nose right next to in order to investigate it. This is how jump scares happen. I shit my pants every time. Like, it doesn't matter how many times you see it, you're never prepared. You're never fully prepared for fizz gig roaring out of the hole. Yes, a furry ball of lint with teeth pops out of the hole <laughs> and scares everyone half to death. Fizgig. Fizgig is a pet, if you could believe it or not. I don't, we don't know what species Fizzgig is, but... Dryer Lint, that's what species <laughs> he is. <laughs> there's something out, there's something in the shadows. It's Kira, Fizzgig's owner. What's Kira, Carrie-Anne? She is a gelfling. Okay. Huh? What Kuda You gelfling? Like me? Well, yes. But I thought I was the only one. I thought I was. Oh! <laughs> the wonderful thing about Tiggers is are wonderful, wonderful things. The, the tops are made out of, out of rubber. rubber. The, the bottoms are made out of, out of springs. springs. I'm the only one. Not anymore, Jen! Jen's not adequately shook enough, in my opinion. He, cause, like, he gets he knocked th- backward into this bog of mud, and he's just stuck in it. And he sees this beautiful woman gelfling appear out of the shadows. And he's just sitting there... She's going to help him out of the bog, and she extends her hand to him, and when they touch, a lot of shit starts happening. Yeah, lots of visuals, lots of flashbacking happening. Both Jen and Kira are on voiceover, overlapping, telling each other, really. Their a- story. Yeah. About their lies. The first thing I remember it is, is fire. Back when it's I a war, before. I think. A, shiny, roundy, a tree. A tree. My mother puts me right inside, and we Mother! Mother of the monster! I wish this was real. I wish you could reach out to another person for the first time uh-huh. and know what they're all about. What, what a pure world it would be. Sometimes you can. I mean, sometimes you can. You're right. You can just, you walk in the door and you see someone. And you're like, I know all about you. Yeah. (laughs) He starts to sink. He starts to sink into the mud. Because, like, he's just kind of like, what the fuck just happened? Mm -hmm. But they are, but he is sinking and he's like, "Uh uh-oh. So, (laughs) Kira Cantor calls to the mud. (laughs) To the nebri that he's sitting on. The nebri. What are they, like little pond whales? The nebri is a pond, you're right, it's a pond whale. It's (laughs) a gross looking, bumpy pond whale. And it raises up, and he's like, what the hell is that? And she's like, it's just a nebri. She won't hurt you. Yeah, Kira's just a little flower child. Kira's been new on the forest of Oh Hell No. Yeah. (laughs) She's in there every day. She's the mayor of Oh Hell No. (laughs) Like, oh god. And so she's just like, you're fine. You're a baby. She's friends with all the animals and knows how to speak their languages. This cut is horrifying because we're going from... The Nebri that's, like, moaning in the pond. And she's got little babies. She's got little babies next to her. And then we cut to a Nebri baby on a serving tray on its way to dinner at the Skexis castle. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's gross. That whole sequence, like... It goes on too long. It's disgusting. There's m- mouth noises, the chewing, and the non-existent table manners. One of the things that Henson and Froud really wanted to put into the Skeksis... Was the idea of the Seven Sins. Yeah, they live a life of decadence mm-hmm. and indulgence. Like, you know, you know, vanity and greed and gluttony. This is definitely a scene where gluttony mm-hmm. is exhibited. Some of them aren't even bothering to use silverware. They're just, like, they've got their beak first in their dish. Jonathan Van Skeks has got little, <laughs> little, um... Little, little fingernail, little, little little fingernail cutlery. Yeah, cutlery, and he's eating it up. But no, the other ones are just Jonathan, shoving it in. Jonathan Van Skeks! Yeah, the 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 stylist, I Skeksy. Actually, but they're what? burping and being disgusting. I feel bad for the rats who are just sitting behind them, waiting for scraps to be thrown their way, or waiting to be taken. Oh my God, because they eat the rats for dessert. The Gartham have returned, and you're curious as a viewer because they have a burlap sack. That is struggling against them as they get closer. And you're like, wait, what? It has a tag on it. Do not open until great conjunction. <laughs> but they unwrap Agra. Again, her I don't give a fuck energy. She knows who the Skeksis are. She knows the power the Skeksis wield. Mm-hmm. And they let her out of the bag. <gasps> fools! Skexis fools! What do you want with me? <gasps> This is Gelfling! No shit, Sherlock! Yeah, she's literally like, of course I'm not a fucking Gelfling, you putrid lizard! <laughs> they press her for information, but she's not talking. She's really not. She just spends that time telling them that the end is nigh. Literally sits on down like she's gonna take a hot shit right in front of the high table. Lords, not for long! What about the prophecy that a Gelfling will end Skeks' power? He'll come, make you crawl like the worms you are. So this time, instead of sending the Gartham, they send the crystal bats first. They can cover more area. They can cover more area. Mm-hmm. And then you have that really peaceful sequence we cut to with Jen and Kira in the... Dingy. Random dingy that she's found, or probably uses. And they're going along the river and Kira's singing this, no doubt, old gelfling tune. And Jen's accompanying her on his little Y flute. And but Kira sees high in the sky a fucking crystal bat, and she's like, mm-mm. Yeah, this is a good time to point out that uh, if it were not for Kira, Gelfling would have died in the forest of Oh Hell No. Yeah. Like, she is the Hermione Granger of this story. She really is. She, they would have died without her knowledge in some situations. And so, with great precision... Like, bolo's that thing out of the sky. Exactly. She hits that thing. Kira is taking Jen home to meet her family. Remi- I... Remind us who <laughs> raised Kira, Ross. The Pudlies. Yeah, they're approaching the village and they pop up like toast. They do. They're like, "Here's home! home. They're so excited. This is a classic scene in lots of fantasy and sci-fi. We get like the slice of life scene. Yeah, the Star Wars cantina. I literally wrote the Star Wars cantina in, <laughs> 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 in my notes cuz that's that music that the podlings are playing is not unlike it's very it's party time. Steerage on the Titanic, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> Having a good fucking time. Yeah! Like they've had a hard day's work working on whatever they're growing, avoiding Gartham and da- They're in danger every day of their lives. They're just trying to live it. They're just trying to live it up and enjoy it while they can, because mm. you know it's only a matter of time before they get hauled off to the castle to be drained during the (laughs) celebration sorry they're living in a hell that's my point the podlings are living in a hell during the celebration (laughs) jen is actually explaining to kira what his mission is they're really bonding during this time and how could you not you think you're the only one of these creatures left in the world and here's another one and here's another one and a girl and a girl (laughs) mama there's a girl in the castle Like, Like, that's the energy right now. Very much so. And I love that little moment where they're talking, Mm -hmm. and he's explaining her quest to her, and that older podling comes up to her. It's her mother. And is, like, speaking to her in the native podling language. And you can tell she's asking him, is this your boyfriend? Exactly. Yeah, like, she's asking her, is this your boyfriend? When are you getting married? (laughs) When? And so the podlings pull Jen off to dance. Yeah. And they're having a gay old time. Jen starts playing the pipe. They're really getting into it. But guess what? Oh, yeah. (laughs) The Gartham busts down the wall of the Podlings Club. (laughs) They get (laughs) Kool-Aid. And then the the Gartham start popping Podlings in their little sack. Because they're like, okay, we got to take these back to the castle. Got to have slaves. Narrowly escape the Gartham once again. Chamberlain makes another appearance. But this time, he, like, saves them from the Gartham. And even though the Chamberlain is exiled, the Gartham will listen to the Skeksy. After the Gelflings get away, Jen starts to feel some pretty hardcore guilt about how his presence has brought ruin to so many people. And, like, he chucks that shard. He goes, I wish I'd never heard of this shard. And then just throws it away. I'm like, that's the answer to all of the problems, Jen. I'm like Damien in Mean Girls when Lindsay Lohan like breaks that plastic tiara. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Jen and Kira wake up in what they realize is a Gelfling temple, like an ancient Gelfling ruins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they start exploring. I paid a lot of attention during this scene because you never know what's going to come up in the prequel series mm-hmm. like Kira finds this big stone chair that's like all grown over with vines and like that's somebody's throne mm-hmm. like who does it belong to like I'm I'm so watching this in anticipation of the show I just I'm soaking up every detail mm-hmm. Kira finds the shard mm-hmm. that has been <laughs> thrown away discarded Ag- by Jin again god bless Kira I love how the shard conveniently lands on one of the altar tables. What does it mean? And what are those funny marks? Oh, this is all writing. What's writing? Words that stay. My master told me. Oh. Kira doesn't know how to read. Yeah, and she knows how to speak her own language, but she doesn't know how to read it. It's like street smarts versus book smarts with Jen and Kira. Kira Kira's street smart, Jen is book smart. Well, thank God that master taught him something. Exactly. (laughs) This movie is so blessedly simple because we get the basic plot at the opening. And then based on context, we know what they have to do. Exactly. We already know what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But they're just figuring it out right here before our very eyes. Yeah. And (laughs) it's great. When Kira goes, wait. Wait. This is a piece of the dark crystal. And I'm like, yeah, we knew that already. <laughs> and she's she's like, and, she's like, and, and they're, they're talking, they're overlapping each other. We, we have to heal the, the dark crystal. And then I'm like, yes, yes, put that shard back where it came from or so <laughs> help me. <laughs> so help me, so help me. Shoo, go, get on, get out of here. When single shines the triple sun. While they're figuring it out, <laughs> who shows up? Chamberlain. Chamberlain is trying to convince the Gelflings that he's there to help. That all he wants to do is bring peace between the Skexis and the Gelflings. But it's fake news. Oh, yeah, it's fake news. He's trying He's trying to tell Jen and Kira that, you know, the prophecy is not real. It's what's caused all this fear between Skeksis and Gelflings. Like, we wouldn't have done anything, you know. Where's we... PolitiFact on this? <laughs> and he's like, just come with me back to the castle and we'll show the other Skeksis that you're not, you know, terrible. That, that savoir-faire that you were talking about of Kira's. She like jumps between them and is like Kira's like Kira's like, fuck that shit. I know that fucker. He's sketchy. I've seen him around. Like <laughs> Kira's like, Jen, please stop talking to strange dinosaur birds and let's go. <laughs> like, don't listen to this man. And then they run away and Chamberlain is like, God damn it. And wait, you- please. Please wait. Please make peace. You love to trot that impression out when you're trying to get me to do something. I do. So Chamberlain's begging for them to make a peace, i.e. come back and let us kill you. TLDR. Um, <laughs> so they get away, and then we come to our favorite creature friends. Yeah, Kira calls on another one of her groups of animal friends, the Landstriders. She's Snow White, Pocahontas, Fiona all in one. Like, Honest to God. <laughs> yeah, the Landstriders are my favorite just because of the way they look. What they, what they actually are and what our knowledge is about how they're operated. Another stunning performance by the production crew at Dark Crystal. Describe the operation of the Landstriders to me. The Landstriders are these weird, tall, bunny-looking things. They're very, very tall. They stand on very tall legs. And what it is, is there is somebody in the Landstrider suit, and they are on four very tall stilts. Like on all fours? On all fours. And they have to balance themselves so that they can stride. They can cover, like, miles in a very short period of time. Yeah, they have these super long legs and they're very, very fast so they can cover great distances. I love how when they're mounting the land striders. <laughs> uh, no, no, You stay here. Dolly. <laughs> Oh, Oh, all right. Come on. Tamar, Tamar. And I love how Jen's like, Kira, you don't have to come with me. And she's like, I know. And he's just like, all right. Together then. It tickles my heart. I know, it's a very, oh my God moment, you know. We're transported to a chamber of toenail curling tortures. It's a zoo slash prison. It's a very, it's this, it's the scientists, like, little menagerie of things that they're testing to suck more life out of the planet. This was horrifying because at least when you're a kid, this is kind of the first time that you intellectualize the slaves you saw bringing up the stone and the podlings that you saw partying are the same creature. Yeah. But the slave podlings are what happened after Dr. Skexistein has had his way with them. Yeah. Yeah, because like you see the horrifying process of the Gartham emptying out their little baggies mm-hmm. and the scientist putting them in this chair and he opens up this hole in the wall and it's the shaft of air and fire that the crystal is hanging above in the crystal chamber. And you've gone all the way down underground to where this exp- this lab is and there's this reflector that's mm-hmm. been built into the side of the shaft and what the scientist does is he puts that reflector right under the crystal, uses the light from the outside to reflect the crystal's light into the podling's eyes, and just slowly but surely that podling drains and drains of life. And his physical liquid essence is being drained from his body for the Skexies to consume. Ugh. Because it brings them youth and vitality. Ugh, he gives it to the general and it lasts like all of 15 seconds. Yeah. Like some horrible product you buy on QVC. And the general flies off the fucking handle. Yeah. Because he's like, I want to be beautiful again. Who else is in the lab? Agra. Yeah. Poor Agra's She's been. She's all caged up. She doesn't have her eye. Yeah. It, it's sitting on the table next to her. She can't reach it. <laughs> She can't reach it through the cage bars. Do you think they tried to squeeze her and she punched him in the face? Probably. Yeah. Can you imagine drinking Augra's Essence? I'm not saying imagine it. I'm just (laughs) saying. Well, I mean, I did. It's too late. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying she's the most sustained life form on the planet. Don't you think drinking Augra's Essence would keep you alive for a long time? I mean, it's spite that's keeping her alive. So, yeah. A diet spite? Ah! (laughs) Stop! Outside, Kira and Jen are rolling up, and there's this awesome fight sequence where they intercept the Gartham that attacked her village. It's upsetting. Why is it? Well, I know why it's upsetting. Well, they, she goes into it with the Landstriders. Yeah. And they have the Landstriders attack the Gartham. They free the podlings. One of the Landstriders is tossed over the cliff. The other is devoured by the rest of the Gartham. The Scream? Of the Landstrier. Oh, it's horrible. It's not fun to listen to. Because it. you know what it reminds me of? What? This is the reason I compared it to rabbits. Oh. It doesn't sound like an actual rabbit screaming. I work in an animal clinic, if you guys didn't know. and if, Yeah, you're not torturing small animals. If you, we're not torturing small animals, but we're working with animals in discomfort. And if you've ever heard a rabbit scream, folks, it's blood curdling. And it, 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 it's just, it's awful. And so, yeah. That Landstrider gets devoured. The other one gets thrown over a cliff. Their, their rideshare is gone. The Gartham are now pinning Jen and Kira up against the edge of the cliff. This and is then my favorite part! Jen's like, we're gonna die. And then Kira's like, hold on, grabs Jen around the shoulder, and then spreads her wings. Her wings! Yes, wings. And they slowly, gently, peacefully float all the way to the bottom of the canyon, like a plastic bag caught in the wind. They get to the bottom, <laughs> and Jen's up! like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, wings. I don't have wings. Of course not. You're a boy. It is the best line. <laughs> best line. Because that's just, of course not. You're a boy. She's so matter of fact. So they come up on this drain, this basic drain that comes from under the castle. That it looks like a gargoyle. It is. A, it basically probably is a gargoyle. Jen's like, oh, look, a way in. <laughs> this is the most human that Kira looks in the entire movie because just it cuts back to her face. And she's got this. Uh, yeah, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. She looks so human in that moment because and- it's how we all feel. Like, <laughs> guys, please watch the film. The look on her face as they're going into that thing—she's just like, uh, uh, very Tina voice. Um, Speaking of gargoyles, <laughs> we realize that Chamberlain is still following. For being beaten and stripped of everything, he's very mobile. He's very determined. Yeah, because this is how he's going to get back in their good graces by capturing these gelflings. The Chamberlain confronts Jen and Kira in the cave. There's this struggle. Jen strikes. Because he's got a hold, because the Chamberlain's got a hold of Kira. Jen strikes the Chamberlain's hand with the crystal shard, mm-hmm. and the Chamberlain starts to bleed. And we immediately cut to the Mystics traveling. The Cantor turns and looks at his hand, and it is also bleeding. Because if something happens to one of them, it happens to the other. Hey, who's got the first aid kit? <laughs> Some... Howard, did you forget Did you forget the first aid kit? I hate this bit. I love this bit. <laughs> there's just that one incompetent mystic. You know, somewhere there's a C plot that's happening that we're not even aware of. Howard. It's like Christmas vacation, but with the mystics. You're right. I do want that. I do want that B plot <laughs> of what's going on with the mystics as they are walking five miles an hour. Can we stop to pee? No, it's gonna take an extra day if we stop to pee. Yeah. Just urinate as you walk. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically, the Chamberlain gets really fucking pissed. He's like, You did not just fucking do that to me. And he tears down a pillar. He causes a cave in. The cave collapses on Jen. Somehow not on the Chamberlain and Kira. The Chamberlain the Chamberlain's just like, fuck it, I only need one Gelfling, makes off with Kira. And then Fizgig. You just see that very ominous image of Jen's hand poking out from the rubble. The Chamberlain takes Kira into the castle. <laughs> they, they they meet some friends along the way. So the stylist and the gourmand, yeah. who are together, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> they're a couple. Yes, <laughs> yes. They're yes. a couple. They're walking through one of the corridors and they're like gossiping. And then... The Goramon notices the Chamberlain. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing here? Get out of here! We don't want you here." And then Chamberlain turns with Kira in his arms. A physical gelfling. Chamberlain, Chamberlain, get out! Get out! (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Gelfling! Gelfling! Ah! 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 Gelfling! 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 Twenty-three nineteen. Nineteen. They start screaming like their wigs are on fire. They are terrified. Chamberlain uses his possession of Kira as leverage to get back into their good graces. And it totally works. Mm-hmm. They give him back his robes, his everything. He turns Kira over to Dr. Skeksis Stein so that she can be experimented on. I also love how the Skeksis don't question that this is a different Gelfling than the one they saw They're not in paying the attention. They're just, they just see one and they're like, kill it, kill it with fire. <laughs> they don't care which one, just eradicate it. We get, we get Kira all rigged up in the chair, just like the podlings. Dr. Skeksis Stein is going to drain her of her essence for the Emperor to drink and become forever young. They get the reflector out, open up the wall. That shit goes into her eyes and she gets weak. Mm-hmm. And you can see the fluid starting to drain into the vial. And then, cut back to the cave, Jen pops up from the rubble. <laughs> Kira, fight them! <sighs> Fight them, fight! Jen? Jen! Because he knows what's happening to her in his head. After they dream fasted, they're forever connected now. Which is, you know, I didn't say it at the time, but it is the way that gelflings imprint on each other for mates. That's adorable. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Agra's like, Kira, holla at the animals. Yeah, because Kira's like, uh, Agra's like, use your gifts. You got gifts. <laughs> so she starts yelling in all of these animal languages, riling up the specimens and all these other caged animals. Come on, Leia! Quiet, help me. Quiet. Come on, Leia. Come on, Leia. And the animals get so riled that they manage to break out of their cage, and they attack the scientist and knock him backwards down the shaft he... beneath the crystal. So yeah, Skeptech dies, and we the... have a small little cut to the mystics traveling, and another. The herbalist dies. Yeah, in in the in their party. Oh, that is wonderful because like you have this perversion of science, the Doctor Skeksisstein, mm-hmm. and then. The herbalist, like a medicine person, mm-hmm. someone who actually helps someone, a healer. Yeah. I love it. Isn't that great? You're spelling that out for me. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. We need to talk about this. Before Kira leaves, because Agra's like, you have very little time. The conjunction is coming. You need to get on this shit. She doesn't free Agra. She doesn't. Is that what you were going to talk about? Yeah, she does not let Agra out of her cage. <laughs> Jen's still trying to find a way out of the cave system. And he falls into this hole, this deep Dark hole. I wish you guys could see what Ross just did. I'm sorry if I'm making noise that falls into this hole and it's pitch dark. Yeah? And you hear it. Gartham! He falls into a Gartham hive. Oh. Because that's where the Gartham come from the bowels of the castle Ugh. that's where they were born that's where they live that's where they were found luckily for him because jen in a very da vinci code kind of way <laughs> just keeps kind of getting out of everything <laughs> that you're like there's no possible way out of and this gartham pierces a hole and you realize it leads out to the shaft that's under the crystal Lucky you, Jen. Yeah. And so Jen crawls out that hole, and they're like reaching out after him, but they can't get to him. That motherfucker climbs all the fucking way up the shaft of the crystal to where the scientist fell out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Agra has gotten out somehow. Kira didn't let her out. <laughs> Whatever. She's just taking inventory of all this guy's shit. She's just looking at all his shit, like, hmm. If I only had this, you know. Yeah. The, the end of the world is coming. I might as well have a souvenir. <laughs> And she obviously she has lost faith in Kira and Jen at this point. She's, I think she has she looks at Jen. And she's just like, "Hey <laughs> here
1: <laughs> you, you, are, sp- you are.
0: you're not up there. <laughs> you were supposed to have fixed this already, and I'm sorry at this point. Jen doesn't give a fuck about shit. All he cares about is Kira. I mean, hey, like... no listen, I have thoughts about this in a minute mm-hmm. okay let, let let's get there first. Everyone is gathering for the great conjunction. Everyone staggers in. Jen gets there first. And he's kind of having a moment with the crystal because this is literally what his entire journey has come to. But before he can do anything, the Skeksis arrive and they start positioning themselves in a circle around the crystal. And this is when he notices Kira on, like, an opposite balcony. And they're, like, aware of each other. And they're watching the Great Conjunction start to happen. And the Skeksis are chanting. Now we will live forever. We confident in themselves, considering they have at least one gelfling roaming around the castle. Like, they don't have any questions about where Dr. Skeksis is. Yeah, they're just like, what happened to him? I guess he's not showing up. Uh, I guess he's just not coming to the conjunction. Okay. Yeah, nobody... (laughs) Nobody has any follow-up questions. Maybe they already know he's dead. Maybe they can sense it. But if they know he's dead, then they know that the gelfling's unaccounted for. Yeah. And is roaming around and possibly ready to fuck up their shit. And Kira is very weak because she's been drained of half of her essence. Mm-hmm. So she's very frail and it's noticeable too. How her eyes are sunken in. She's very sunken and gaunt. And so they're chanting, we will live forever. And who the fuck rolls up? Fizgig. Fizgig, the lint dog. And starts barking, draws attention to both of them. Jen jumps on top of the crystal to avoid capture, but of course he drops the fucking shard. It lands like two inches from the side of the shaft. Fizgig gives his life in a heroic way by biting the general before he can pick up the shard. He throws Fizgig down the shaft. Fizgig. Fizgig. We hardly knew ye. They all start to swarm Kira. All the Skeksis start to get around Kira. Jen's going to use the crystal to bargain for her life, but she won't let him do it. Yeah, you're right. He is willing to let it all go. Give us the shard and you can go free! Yes! Just don't harm her! No, Jen! Heal the crystal. Kira! Ah! It's so dramatic. She throws that shard and he, by a miracle, catches it. I know. Right as the ritual master stabs Kira with a knife. Fatally. And then Jen's like, I have nothing left to lose. No. Yeah, this is what I was getting to. This part, like, frustrated me as a kid. And you can see the sun's coming together. It's happening. Yeah. Over our heads. And Jen's just sitting there. There's no sense of urgency about it. And the Skeksis are all gathered around like, no, don't. Do it! (laughs) Yeah, they're freaking the fuck out. Please! I see it differently now as an adult. He catches that shard, and you're relieved he did, but this devastation on his face is palpable when he sees Kira dying before his eyes. His motivation has gone from, Daddy sent me on this impossible chore, to having met Kira and, like, actually having a reason to improve this world so he can live in it with her. And then your only motivation for making this world better just vanishes in front of your eyes. So maybe in that moment, he's just wondering, What do I want to live for? What do I want to make this world better for? Yikes. But like at the last second, he like forces himself to do it. He shoves that shard into the crystal, and it turns from that deep pink to that bright white. <laughs> <laughs> It throws and him off. It throws me off. Like, <laughs> it's so bright. And you're right, when it lights up, it throws oh. him the fuck off the crystal. This reign of chaos begins to happen. The world that the Skeksis built is literally crumbling around. Like, Pieces of the castle are falling off and smashing. To reveal that the castle is made of crystal. Yes, The hold that the scientist had on the podlings is wearing off. Yeah, the podlings are starting to get color back in their eyes. Oh, and the mystics are home. And when the Skeksis see the mystics, they're shook. Yeah. They're just like, how the the fuck did you get all the way here? There's no way you got here. Yeah, everything's breaking off the walls. Everything's breaking down. The Garthim are literally disintegrating. I bet that was cathartic for the production team. Just to watch all of them just break apart. Yeah. let them <laughs> To have them all fall apart and have it be on purpose for exactly. once. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And my favorite shot from the conjunction is we cut to the menagerie. The ceiling is crumbling down and Agra is just Walking through it. Just she's just like, puttering through. She's just like, oh shit, here we go. It's happening. <laughs> she's resigned. And she hears Fizzgig. He is caught on the reflector in the shaft. Thank God. Fizzgig made it. Yay. How did you get out there? Picks <laughs> a pitchfork. <laughs> I'm like poking him. Holds it out into the shaft. Come on. <laughs> Trying to get him to get onto it. Agra like- rescues Fizzgig. What ends up happening is, as the Great Conjunction comes to its pinnacle, everyone is drawn back towards the crystal. All at once, the mystics summon their collective power and tap into the crystal. And the Skeksis just kind of start moving backwards little by little towards their respective mystic, their counterpart. Each one of them combines to form the Earth that was cut in half when the crystal cracked. They're so ethereal and spiritual. What but is- I also wrote that they look like ghost asparagus. Ghost asparagus, yes. Yes. And so Zazak is telling Jen, he's like, listen, we were goddamn foolish a thousand years ago. Thank you so much for fixing it. <laughs> what was sundered and undone is Shall now be whole. whole. The two made one. Zazak's little gift to Jen for saving the planet is to give Kira back to him. Hold her to you. She is part of you as we all are part of each other. so beautiful with the chanting in the background. Yeah, it makes me cry. <laughs> the ghost asparagus leave Kira and Jen with the crystal of truth. Make your own world in its light. I personally would be pissed. Like, no, whoa, wait a minute. Stick around. Exactly. Like, you, you stay here and tell me how to use this properly. You fucks made this mess. You better get back here and clean it up. But they're like, nope peace and they just kind of sailor moon it out of there (laughs) just right out of the skylight and yeah now jen and kira are left with the crystal they get to fucking repopulate the gelfling race (laughs) and our last shot of the film is getting to see outside the Crystal Castle, there's this mighty flowing river Mm -hmm. and all of these trees and these prairies. And it's... The ecosystem is coming back. The ecosystem has literally reformed. There was a sequel written for this. Yeah. But but it it kept getting shelved. And I just hate that, though, because I'm glad the prequel series is coming. But you want to know what happens after I wanted the sequel because they... Brian Froud... Released all of this cool concept art mm-hmm. for the sequel. Kira done up as... As the Gelfling Queen. As the Gelfling... The Empress Ooh. of Thraw. <gasps> Excuse me very much. Because, your, your majesty. Because it's explained more deeply in the canon, but you kind of said it. Yeah. There I- at the end, like, Kira is more of the chosen one than Jen is. Yes, Jen is responsible... For getting her to a place where she can rule effectively. Exactly. Because Jen would have given up there at the end and bargained for Kira's life. After the Dark Crystal ends, Jen is just her consort. Yeah. It's Kira that runs the planet. Kira was the one who in that moment had the strength to say, no, heal the crystal. Yeah. And yeah, she's the leader this world deserves, damn it. Are you going to cry? No, I'm not. (laughs) But she's I our, feel like I say that every episode. She's, she's our Marissa Tomei. She's, <laughs> she's she is, the goddamn hero. She's the hero. The project never got legs. It kept getting reshelved. And eventually what they ended up doing was releasing it as a graphic novel series that was about a girl who was made of fire who has this little gelfling friend. And they're on their way to steal a piece of the dark crystal so they can heal the sun that is at the center of the planet. Now we're going to get a prequel. And maybe we'll have a lot of our questions about this world answered. Dark Crystal. There will never be another project like it. No. The scale of it. And this kind of ties in with what this film means to millennials. Just because there aren't a lot of millennials who have seen this film. And if they have, they saw it as children. This is one of those films that is kind of the last of its kind. There is the labyrinth. You do have the labyrinth in like... Eighty is that 86. eighty six. Eighty six. That's also got David Bowie and Jennifer Connolly in it. Humans. Yeah, there are no humans in this movie. This is one of the last practical films like this. The end to this age of practical use. As you get into the later eighties, you know, into the late nineties, CGI starts to become more prevalent, and practical effects kind of get more and more phased out and these people on the internet they're upset because oh it's all cgi and it's not it's not all cgi Mm -mm. a lot of the characters in dark crystal age of resistance are going to be puppeted and a lot of the same creative team is working on it brian froud's consulting henson's team is still on it frank oz is involved with it 66 billion dollars would have been the budget in this day and age so yeah we're gonna use cgi (laughs) that's it guys yeah oh my god you know what if you turned us off I that's my fault <laughs> I don't blame you well we've done one 1982 classic. Carrie Ann, why don't you fucking go ahead and tell me what what we're going to do next week. So we were going back and forth about this because... No, you were going back and forth (laughs) about this, but keep going. Fine. I was going back and forth between do I want to do a movie musical next or do I want to do a back to school movie because it'll be probably the middle of August by the time y'all are hearing this and everybody's on their way back to school. And then I realized I can have both. I can have both. (laughs) In the form of the 1982, non-classic, Grease 2. Listen, (laughs) Grease 2 is not totally devoid of value, (laughs) but as far as sequels go, if you took a shit, Uh uh-huh and that shit took a shit Uh uh-huh and became mayor of Detroit yes it wouldn't come close to the (laughs) shittiness of Grease 2 (laughs) I stole that from Big Boo but that's how I feel (laughs) you're eye rolling so hard you're mad at me Maxwell Caulfield star of Grease 2 said it took him 10 years To recover from (laughs) Greece, too. No one would hire him. Oh, no. It was that bad. Oh, no. All right, guys. If you want to reach out to us on Twitter, you can find me at Carrie Barra. That's C A R I E B E A R A. Ross, where can they find you? At Ross Right Now. R-O-S-S-R-I-G-H-T-N-O-W. I'm Ross Right Now on everything, by the way. That's Twitter, Instagram. All right. Join us next week for episode five. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. I'm Ross. I'm Carrie. We are over now. Got the news, Got the news.